you don't start a business to start a business. You start a business to run a business, to finish at some point the business. Hey, business besties. Quick question. Do you have a business plan? I certainly didn't at the beginning of my coaching career. And I know that the thought of sitting down to make a business plan can be kind of triggering. Whether you're dreaming up your next career move, or kind of winging entrepreneurship day by day, or you have a full business plan locked and loaded, this episode is for you. Welcome to the I Make a Living podcast brought to you by FreshBooks. Today, I'm talking to Emily Thompson. She is the co-founder and host of Being Boss, a resource podcast and community for creative entrepreneurs. She's also the founder and CEO of the Almanac Supply Company, a retail brand that makes and curates products that help people get connected with nature. Emily is an expert on building successful businesses by taking a chance on whirlwind opportunities that aren't always in the business plan. Here's Emily telling me about a hurricane disaster that started it all. I fell into, very legitimately, not actually, I guess, I didn't fall into it, but I I did stumble upon this opportunity to actually buy a tanning salon when I was 18 years old. And it was... Uh, an amazing opportunity. It fell into my lap. I scooped it up. I ran with it for a while. And I remember very much so whenever I sold that business, I I owned it for about two and a half years. Um, I was living on the Gulf Coast. I was actually there whenever Hurricane Katrina hit. And it, it was my first big, awful business situation to navigate. And at that young of an age, in that sort of industry, in a time when you couldn't even make a Facebook page for your business. That was not even a thing yet. I ran that business for about two and a half years, decided to sell it. And I remember sitting in the parking lot um, the last time I was there and thinking, is this not the last time I'll do business? Like I felt like business was in me at that point. Um, a couple months later, I ended up really diving into online business for the first time. It was the very early days of Etsy and became enamored with the community, with the opportunity, with with the coolness that was making and selling what you make online. And so I started an Etsy shop before I graduated college. So in college, I, I ran two businesses. First, offline, I mean, in the real world, a sort of real brick and mortar business. And then my first online business as well. Wow. That sounds like a huge responsibility. I know there are a lot of people that could barely get through college, but to do that also while running a business, what would you say having done both a brick and mortar business and an online business at that point, what would you say the biggest learnings were for each of those different businesses? I think that's when I really became very conscious of and sort of enamored with branding and positioning and reputation. And it wasn't necessarily the um, sort of the creative or the offerings or the product or even the processes. Like for whatever reason, those just sort of 
happen. And I think anyone in business, those things just sort of happen, whether you're conscious of it or not. But the thing that you really have to bring some great awareness to and really work at is your branding, is really getting clear as to what it is that you want to be known for, who it is that you're serving, why does it they care that you're doing the thing. I think that was some of the biggest lessons that I learned and how it's so imperative to dig into that so that you are differentiating yourself from everyone else. I was not the only tanning salon in town. I wasn't even the only tanning salon, you know, within a quarter of a mile. I had competitors all around me. And same thing with getting on Etsy. Like it is a platform of competitors, <laughs> mm-hmm, right? Of course. And so for me, I think some of the biggest lessons I learned back then was the importance of branding. And as you then moved into graphic design and helping other people do that for their businesses, What were some of the blind spots that you would see among other business owners in the branding space? Oh, in the brand. (laughs) Good taste. (laughs) (laughs) You can't really teach good taste. No, you can't. No, you can't. Um, What did I really see? I think finishers. I think like the idea that you don't start a business to start a business. You start a business to run a business, to finish at some point the business. I feel like, especially those early years and like the really early years of online business, it wasn't just my early years because just sort of fill in the gap. I started the Etsy shop. I quickly had friends of mine on Etsy asking me to do their banners, um, give them pointers on their photography, all of these things. I very quickly sort of found myself pivoting from running my jewelry shop on Etsy to helping other people run their jewelry shop and then building their websites and all of these things. So I I ended up moving into that graphic and web design space accidentally (laughs) as as these things tend to happen. And I saw far too many people getting very excited about the idea, throwing a lot of money into graphic design, web design, all of these things, but never actually doing anything with the business. A lot of people out there think that entrepreneurship is shiny and you get to, you know, all your own shots and do all these things. And they put a lot of money and effort into those first couple of steps, but have a hard time moving into what happens next. And I imagine that you've had to move through a few iterations of different businesses and different phases. Were there moments in your history as an entrepreneur where you kind of felt those inflection points where, you know, it's like you could go one way or another. Things are about to get really tough. And I can either throw in the towel, cut my losses, you know, board up the tanning salon, or I can push through this. Not that pushing through is always the answer. I think it's dependent on the business and the market and what you really want to do. But I imagine you must have been in some of those tricky decision points in your business history. Every day? (laughs) Once a week? (laughs) Um, Definitely every couple of months. And it's funny. I, I even remember like those first couple of maybe year or two, literally every week, every other week, at least once a month, you're presented with one of those opportunities. Do I take this client or not? Do I do this extra job or not? Do I hire this employee or not? Do I, you know, hire this contractor or not? Do I rent this space or not? Do I go to this, you know, potentially business changing conference or not? Like there are a multitude of points on your journey when when that happens. And I've definitely had many of those as well. Like there's all those small ones, but 
did I sell my tanning salon or should I sell my tanning salon or not? Um, should I shut down my jewelry store on Etsy or not? That one I let linger for a long time before I finally made the decision to do it. Would you say it caused you stress keeping the Etsy shop open while you're also trying to juggle these new clients? Or was it something where it was just like, I'll just leave it up there and and let let the universe decide what to do with it. Yes, for sure. And it's funny. I remember that decision in particular was the point when I realized that lingering wasn't an answer. And beyond that, because I did, I let it linger for probably 12-ish months of just like orders just kind of coming in. I wasn't marketing and I was beginning to build my web design agency that I went on to run for eight, nine years. But I let that Etsy shop linger for a while. Whenever I shut it down, when I finally made the call to shut it down, there was such a release of just it's done. I don't have to think about it anymore. I had so much extra brain space to put into the thing that I actually wanted to be doing at that point. That that one was a lesson for me that I would never let anything just linger like that ever again. And it's Mm. made me, it's helped make me considerably more decisive, that single sort of moment in my entrepreneurial journey. That's a really great point, Emily. And I think sometimes we forget that not making a decision is also making a decision. Yeah. And sometimes if you do push yourself to decisiveness, that can relieve some of the stress and frustration that you may be feeling. Fast forward to 2015. Emily and her business bestie Kathleen also happened upon a content marketing goldmine with the Being Boss podcast. My business bestie and I decided to start the podcast together to share some conversations that we were already having about being creative business owners. She had a branding agency with her sister. I was running a web design agency. And so we started the podcast to share these conversations and really, really to use the podcast as a marketing avenue for our individual companies. Within a couple of months, the podcast became a business of itself. It wasn't even a business when we started it. It was six months into it that we decided to make it official with, you know, business licenses and bank accounts and all of those things. So I never went into this thinking that I would become a podcaster. Did you and Kathleen sit down and divvy up roles? How did it come together and actually launch through that first period? Oh, great questions. Great questions. So we had no business plan. (laughs) For sure. I will start with that. We were just starting a podcast. That was going to be sort of the end of it. We were just going to start a podcast together and see what happened. But we did divvy up roles. She was running a branding agency. I was running a web design agency. And I remember in our first conversations, she was like, I'll do this, but I'm not going to figure out the tech. And I remember being like, that is fine. I can do that. That is totally my wheelhouse. So we went through an entire branding process with her and her sister for the podcast. We came up with the name. We came up with the positioning for it. We came up with our um, our sort of buckets of content. We went through the whole process. And that was sort of she managed that and did the graphic design and all of those things. And I did the website and figured out the tech. How are we editing it? What does it look like to publish it? I'm just going to stop you right there because you said you did not do a business plan, 
But even though you didn't do a formal business plan, you really did. It sounds like you did plan a lot. You did plan for the launch of this really strategically in the same way that you might have if you were, I don't know, launching a client's business when the podcast was the business. Right. We created a podcast strategically. When it came to it being a business, something more than that, that just fell into place. (laughs) The business fell into place around it. So within a couple of months, actually FreshBooks got in touch with us. They were our first sponsor. That's when we realized this thing might actually have legs. Like people are listening to this thing and they are excited about it enough that they want to give us money (laughs) to do it. And then we decided to take a trip to New Orleans together to like have some business bestie time. It wouldn't be cool if we invited some listeners to come with us. 80 people later, we have our first being boss vacation. And so it accidentally happened, the business part of it, the podcast was always very purposeful, but the business that built around it, that sort of encompassed the entirety of our community and our audience and our partners or our sponsors, the brands that we were working with, that just sort of fell into place because we were very strategic and mindful with creating the podcast product. Yes. I was trying to give you credit for that because I think there's a lot of people also that are like, oh, well, I'll just start a podcast to promote my business. Um, Me, namely. (laughs) When I started my other podcast, uh, Dates and Mates, is around my dating and relationship coaching business. And I just was like, this will be sort of my calling card. But I didn't think about the branding and the buckets of content and all of these things that you did. I just was like, oh my gosh, I have a podcast now. Now what do I do? So it probably took me a lot longer to get to profitability with that because I wasn't as strategic in the beginning. But I'll say from my own experience, I did get to a point where I was like, oh, I'm doing a lot of content and being compensated for that. And I have all of these dating coaching clients and I have to figure out how do I want to spend my time? What do I enjoy doing? And then also what is going to be the most lucrative decision here? And I had to really make a clear determination that my business was pivoting without trying to push it in that direction. It pivoted on its own to being more of content creation than just coaching. So you're doing this also very quickly in motion with a business partner Talk me through that phase when you're like, this is something that is making us money. And yet I have all these clients as well that I'm trying to serve. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's those first couple of years that you have a new baby. Like, you know, you don't remember the first two years. I have no idea. Was I sleeping? Was I eating? What was I? (laughs) I don't know what was happening, but I also (laughs) do. And, you know, our audience was loving our content. They were loving our events. They wanted to do more. We were, you know, building great relationships with brands. We were doing really awesome stuff. But like you just mentioned with your business, you had a business and built a podcast into it. We had a podcast and then could build whatever business we wanted around it. And though that sounds amazing, it was incredibly overwhelming. Like there, we had infinite options, which made the decision-making process around what is the business model pretty difficult for us. We tried a lot of things. Um, We looked to see what would stick and what wouldn't. We just... Oh, tell me. You got to tell me about... (laughs) 
<laughs> what were the colossal failures, Emily? Oh, the colossal <laughs> failures. Facebook ads was a colossal failure. <laughs> Let's stay with this for a little uh-huh. bit because I'm sure people listening are like, Facebook ads, that sounds good. Like, I've always heard Facebook ads are great. Why was it a colossal failure for you? I don't know. Our mojo was wrong. I, I'm not even sure exactly what it was, but a couple years into it. So let's see. We started in 2015. I think it was 2018. It was the spring our book came out because we got a book deal a couple years into it as well. Um, we decided to invest a lot of money, like five figures, multiple five figures into um, into Facebook ads and got no return. I don't know if we hired the wrong Facebook manager. I don't know if there was something like we we didn't do a postmortem because we were so appalled by the entire thing that we didn't even want to think about it anymore. So, um, mm-hmm. and it was years ago. Like that whole process is so different now. Um, but I definitely have a little bit of trauma around it. Whenever people mention Facebook ads, I get a little twitchy. <laughs> You said you didn't do a postmortem for that. Did you normally do a postmortem after events or after new endeavors to really assess how successful they were and what you could do better? For sure. Um, one of the one of the exercises that's really popular around being boss is it's simple, what's working, kind of working, not working, where it's a little exercise where we go through anything. It could be your entire business. It can be a single event. It can be a product or a course or, you know, what you did this past quarter, whatever it may be. You can take anything and just start filing things under what worked, what kind of worked, what didn't work. It's something that we've used for so many things, our events, our, um, our courses, our podcast, those sorts of things to help us really identify what's working, what can we double down on because it's so great, what's kind of working, what do we need to work on to improve, and what's not working, which is usually what just needs to go all together or be improved so that it is working. And We've definitely done that after our events. It's how we iterate, right? It's how we continue to make things better as we bring some awareness to what's working, kind of working and not working and do the work that we need to do to make the next time we do it even better. We were afraid to do that with the Facebook ads. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it only goes in one column. There's nothing else to talk about and just move it off the board and move on. I mean, that is hard when you make an investment in your business, because especially for a lot of our listeners that are solopreneurs and breadwinners and to to think of putting five figures into something that is basically just a wash is gut wrenching. Yeah. (laughs) And you're also doing this in partnership, too. So I imagine there were also some tough conversations that you and Kathleen had to have in determining how are we going to spend our money collectively. I know a lot of people are thinking, that sounds great. Get a business partner, share the load, share the expenses, and we could build this together. I could have a business bestie, too. But it's not always so so rosy. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) So ultimately, you and Kathleen did decide to part ways on the podcast. You're still besties, just not business besties now. So let's do a postmortem on that, Emily. (laughs) What made you both come to the table and decide maybe it's time for us to go our separate ways? Sure. Well, it all started with us Facebook ads. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if only you had done a postmortem, then maybe, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, right. And, and not exactly. But that time, that time in, in the business 
was amazing from the outside. We were launching our book. We were, you know, doing big PR pushes. We were everywhere. We were doing a book tour. It was amazing. But there was also a lot of things going on behind the scenes that was very difficult. Personally, I had to get an immediate roof put on my house. We were traveling a ton. We had just written a book real fast. (laughs) We were building Being Boss. We were doing these things and had our separate companies. And we were tired we were burned out, we realized within a couple of months. And that settled in really hard for both of us. We were both very open about the process along the way. We were sharing the whole thing together. We were both feeling very burned out. And it started manifesting a little differently for both of us. Um, For a while, we actually thought we were going to shut being bossed down. We thought that that was the answer. If we were both so tired, then let's get rid of one of the things. And she was not going to leave her branding agency. um, And I was okay leaving being boss, I thought, until about a year into burnout and like really deep, difficult burnout. A year into it, I realized that my answer was not leaving being boss. My answer was staying in being boss. And so I went to Kathleen almost immediately. Kathleen and I are so close. We're really quite psychic with each other. And I knew that if I was having a feeling, if I had this thought and idea and I didn't tell her quickly, she'd think something was wrong. (laughs) She, Mm -hmm. she would know something was there if I didn't, if I didn't just let it out. So I remember the moment when I had the idea, it was so simple and so obvious that I was like almost mad at myself. Like, why didn't I think of this 12 months ago? I could have saved myself a lot of pain, but it came when it needed to come. And the idea was just, I buy Kathleen out. If she wants out, she can be out but I wasn't done yet. And it took me a long time to really come to terms with that, that our solution for mutual burnout was not the same solution, that it was two different solutions. She could go work in her branding agency and I would actually stay in being boss. And whenever I mentioned to her, she loved the idea. She was totally down. It made total sense to her. We started working through all of the things and just having very open conversations. And I think this is one of the pros that come from literally building a relationship and business partnership out of talking to each other, (laughs) right? We're a podcast co-host. We talk together all the time through all kinds of things, most of which publicly. And so it was actually very easy for us to have the conversation as to what it would look like for us to dissolve our partnership, for me to take full control of being boss. And we did it very really kind of relatively slowly. We kind of just felt out everything. We started with a partial buyout. Um, Whenever the pandemic hit in early 2020, Kathleen was immediately like, never mind. I don't want any of it. You can have the whole thing. And so Mm. we initiated at that point the rest of the buyout. And we're still best friends. It has been really great for both of us. We both got exactly what we needed and are excited to continue watching this baby grow that we both sort of bore out of ourselves, right? But now I'm parenting to this. It's next steps. When you said that you started feeling burnout, what did that look like? What did that feel like for you? Ew. <laughs> it felt like ew. As someone who shows up every day as an entrepreneur and is very creative and very energetic and very excited about the things that I do, 
Burnout for me was the exact opposite of that. I found myself getting mad at the idea of going to work, getting angry when I would sit down at my computer, feeling listless and not energetic at all, getting angry about things that I didn't need to get angry about. I was very much so not myself. It was the most low vibe place I have ever been and and honestly became really depressed. I, I self-managed as much as I could. I gave myself some deadlines. I remember at one point thinking, you know, if I don't feel better by this date, I'm getting a therapist because it's time to start taking a different kind of action. And I did end up doing that and, and it helped bring me out of it. But for me, burnout was the darkest place I've ever been. And, and in these days, I can well, less these days, but for a while after I feel like I really pulled myself out of it, there were still moments when uh, when I felt it coming on because I would start feeling this very deep tiredness, this like in my bones, in my soul tiredness and unexcitement <laughs> to do anything other than lay in bed and be mopey. So it was it was really feeling not like myself, but it was very much so characterized by very deep tiredness and a lot of anger. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I sorry to take you back to that place. No, it's fine. I think it was important to really put words to it because I see a lot of times burnout is it's it's almost a part of entrepreneur culture in a way where it's just like, just go, 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 you know, hustle till you die. And it's really not a healthy mindset. And I think sometimes people don't see the signs until way too late. And it's better for your business and your mental health if you can see those signs. And like you said, like set up those markers for you to track time and say, if you don't feel better or you don't see a change by this time, you have to do something. Yeah. Um, that's a really important piece of wisdom to, that you've shared. So thank you. Of course. Whenever I'm at a point in my life where I feel burnout, I do three things. Get moving, get in community, and get quiet. Getting my body moving always boosts my endorphins and can turn things around if I'm feeling stuck, tired, or frustrated. I also find it's helpful to get in community with your peers and loved ones to add motivation and purpose to what you're doing. And sometimes you just need to get quiet, meditate, read a book, listen to music. When you can get quiet, you can actually hear what your mind and body are trying to say to you. For Emily, the burnout recovery process began with investing more time in the aspects of her business that brought her joy. She carved a new path with the Almanac Supply Company, an e-commerce and subscription box that sells nature-inspired goods that support mindful, seasonal living. I started Almanac because I had quit my web design agency about a year before. So I was 100% doing being boss. And I found my conversations about business becoming a little meta. Like I was doing a podcast, <laughs> talking business about running a podcast. And it like it like the heart of it was gone. Like it just, it didn't sit well for me to show up as, you know, someone who knows business, but the only business I'm running right now is this podcast. And I think a lot of people are fine with that. And I'm, I'm fine with the fact that people are fine with that. That was not what I wanted to do. So I actually took the opportunity to start the business I always wanted to start. Whenever I started my web design agency, whenever, I, especially those early years, actually 
the entire time. I worked with a lot of product businesses. I was building e-commerce websites for product makers and curators. And I always really envied those people and these really great product businesses that they were building for themselves. So the idea for it kind of came as like a big magic moment, like those moments when you just like have the idea, which starting the podcast was also one of those big magic moments. And it sort of fell into my head fully formed what this would be and why it would matter. My undergrad degree is actually in geography. So I'm like very connected (laughs) with like earth processes and systems and all like all of those things too. So it's like still very like deeply ingrained in who I am apart from, you know, business Emily. And so the name Almanac fell into my head as well as the positioning for it and what it was going to be and how I was going to do it. I sat on the idea for about a year and started the business officially in January of 2018. And that's if want to go back to the timeline that's just before burnout hit. <laughs> so I started this business, <laughs> right? I started to build it. Um, and within a couple of months, I started bottoming out about the time that the Being Boss book came out in spring of 2018. So I started it with the idea that personally, I wanted to bring extra juice to the podcast. I wanted to be able to come and talk about business as someone who's doing a business other than podcasting. So there was that like desire to build an extra level of expertise into what I'm doing. But there was also this much deeper purpose of seasonal living and and connecting with nature that is very much so who I am. And this desire to start this kind of business. My business partner is actually my life partner. We run this business. So it's kind of a family business as well. We make candles. So there is a maker element to it that I love. We source um, crystals and other products from around the world. Like I'm surrounded by crystals right now, guys, which basically means this is my dream job (laughs) 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 to just be surrounded by crystals. So in a very real sense, I have created another dream job for myself. I have a team. I really just act as CEO. I show up for the meetings once a week and will occasionally consult on, you know, different parts of the business, but it is, it's funny, I call it my side hustle, but like it is a whole business and production. We have multiple spaces, like we're doing this thing. And I'm just, I get to be the CEO. I get to run the business from a very top level and then basically spend my days. I guess that kind of makes being boss my side hustle. I don't even know which is which these days. (laughs) Um, Being boss is the one that I'm working in. Almanac is the one that I really just get to be the CEO of, which I very much so enjoy. And it gives me the opportunity to build that next level of expertise and satisfy this need to, to help people connect with nature and to make and curate products, which is my, I think, like creative expression. Yeah, that's how you get that big magic going. Indeed. <laughs> You're powering up your crystals. <laughs> <laughs> or they're powering up me. I don't know which way it goes. <laughs> you know what? It's a two-way yes. crystal street. Yes. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here, sharing your story with us, sharing your magic with us. And I wish you continued success both with the Almanac Supply Co. and with being boss. Thank you so, thank much. You so much. This has been a complete pleasure. How can you feel more connected with your work today? Maybe crystals aren't your thing, but take some time to slow down and reconnect with your big why. Here are some key points Emily made in this conversation. You start a business to build a business. Take things day by day 
think ahead and make sure you're budgeting for the long haul. Sometimes your passions and hobbies turn into an unexpected goldmine. Give yourself some freedom to explore your interests outside of your business. Business partnerships often end, and that's okay. Keep growing and working on your own dreams. If you need to feel a little more connected to nature today, make sure you check out the Almanac Supply Company for all your mindful living needs at almanacsupplyco.com. Also, be a boss today and check out Emily's Being Boss podcast live on all your favorite platforms. The I Make a Living podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. Balancing your books, client relationships, and business isn't easy. FreshBooks gives you the info and time you need to focus on your big picture, your business, team, and clients. Right now, you, yes, you, can go to freshbooks.com slash podcast and take advantage of an exclusive offer for our listeners. And while you're at it, check out all the resources made available to you through our show notes. Our executive producer is Francisco Arismendi. Editorial and content producer is Leo Shell Villanueva. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. And I'm Damona Hoffman, your producer and host. Follow me at Damona Hoffman and FreshBooks at FreshBooks on all the social platforms for more tips, tools, and resources because it's your business. We'll be back with a nerdisode all about tackling imposter syndrome on Thursday. <laughs>